For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Pro Football Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce and Doc Holliday are rambling about those Los Angeles Rams. Ramble on. How are you? Welcome to another episode of Ramblings with Isaac Bruce and Doc Holliday. I am Doc Holliday. Isaac, what's up, brethren? Doc Holliday, what's going on, man? Back in the building. Another week of uh, Rams talk, Ram football, transactions, uh, Rams history. You know, all of that, you know, in a, one big pot, like a pot of gumbo. Without the uh, crabs, man. Keep the shellfish for me, man. I, I was about crabs. to say, man, anytime you start talking about gumbo, man, but can you make gumbo without shellfish? Because I don't eat crabs, shrimp, lobster, none of that, man. None of that unclean stuff, bro. I guess you can make it. I mean, but I, I'm not sure how it would taste, but, you I know, you can you can put it all in one pot. It may not look like, like the, <laughs> you know, the New Orleans-style gumbo, but, but you can definitely make it. Hey, 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 hold on real quickly. Speaking of uh, uh, that, that gumbo, man, do you remember, bro, when we played the Saints, man, and Eddie Kennison mom, man, brought that big old cooler full of etouffee? <laughs> oh, the etouffee, man. I don't eat that anymore, but she brought the etouffee. Hey, but speaking about gumbo, the Rams ain't really making no gumbo, but they done made a nice little dish so far this offseason, man. We didn't talked about the addition to Matthew Stafford, Deshaun Jackson, some other additions, man, keeping Leonard Floyd. Uh, we got the draft coming up, man. It's been kind of quiet right now, which I understand. It's been quite kind of quiet around the NFL and especially around La La Land, man, because they are getting ready for the NFL draft. Isaac, man, this is the that time of the year, man. This is really that time when you got to really get – Studying the film, evaluating players even more intensely because the draft coming up now, we don't have a lot of draft capital, but we still have some draft capital capital and who we pick up and who we draft, it's gonna be important, man. Who we bring into this squad, seeing that we have so many high expectations. How you think they're going into these last couple of weeks before this draft is coming up? Well, it, you know, I think it's it's critical for us because, you know, the offseason is often that time when, you know, you evaluate everything and everyone. I mean, not just the people that are in your building that are on and make up that 53-man roster, but, you know, the way you do things. I mean, the way you travel, uh, what you travel on, uh, which hotels on the road will you be using this year? Um, you know, if you, if you have to stay in a hotel the night before your home games, which hotel you're going to use? how that worked out last year. And if, it, if, if possible, will you use that same hotel? So it's all about evaluating personnel, how you call your third down plays, man, your third down packages offensively and defensively, get to know 
uh, uh, Coach Morris on the deep from a defensive standpoint, man. All of this has to be in tune uh, from a, a staff uh, concept before you're able to put it onto your players and go into your your true off season. So um, the biggest focus right now just being on that being on the draft, man. I mean, we're a team that we don't have first round draft picks, so uh, these guys and uh, from uh, you know what's happened to us from a financial standpoint as far as the cap is concerned. You know, we gotta we gotta go in and draft guys that are we we expect to play, guys that expect to produce and be on the field and uh, have some time kind of impact uh, within their first year. So th- this is where we are right now. I mean, it's it's very important for us. We won't be mentioned on the first day of the draft, only the second day, and uh, you know, and the third day following that. But you know, we we have to get it right, Doc. I mean, we have to get impactful players. Uh, lower in this draft. So that's where the main focus should be for us this offseason. And let me ask you this. I'm going to see if you agree with me or not, man. I'm one of those where I think, man, when you're a team like L.A. and you're playing in Los Angeles, you have to you have to do much more due diligence when you're researching and investigating and evaluating what kind of young man to bring to La La Land. It's different than somebody – that's working for the Detroit Lions or Cleveland Browns or cities like that. When you living in L.A., man, the Rams and, and, and any other team in L.A., I think you have to investigate and do even more due diligence because there are so many more things to get into in L.A., man. So they have to work even harder, I think, on that part of it more than teams like Cleveland or Detroit or some of those other towns where it really ain't much going on. Well, uh, hey, to be honest, I mean, if if you're if you're a team or an organization that has a very high standard, I mean, you're you're already doing that. That's just the norm. That's just routine. It should be just routine for you because you know I look at it this way. You know, uh, you know, I played 16 years in a league, and most of the games were on Sunday, and then you have some guys who really get amped up for a Monday night game, a lot more than a Sunday game. So. It, to me, I always wondered why guys would do that because it, it, to me, it's like, you know, you've been cheating me. You've been holding something back. If you're just, if you think a Monday night game is more valuable than a Sunday game, you, you know, you're sadly mistaken. But, you know, when that standard is high for an organization to, to, to make sure they're, they're interviewing guys thoroughly, uh, leaving no stone unturned, I mean, uh, you, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not very hard uh, to find a person that will change once their financial status changed, Doc. I mean, you know, there are little seeds and little little fruit that have been sprouted and and, uh, and blossomed on that tree already. So you can pretty much get an indicator. And I think those interviews that they have with those players are very important because it kind of opens up to these guys who, who they are. I mean, some of them are in uh, a setting or atmosphere around a lot of other athletes where these interviews are taking place. So most of the time you can get that authentic person that they are. I mean, they can, it's like, it's like dating. If you're, if you're, if you're new to dating and the first date that you go on is just you and that person, you know, you and that person can send their representative. But (laughs) if I invite you on a date with me and you know, that person, that female, she invites her best friend on a date with that friend could actually call us out and like, yo, what's wrong with you? Why are you talking like that? Why are you acting like this? You know, you do this, you know, so (laughs) you could possibly in a group setting, get that real person, that authentic person to show up and, uh, you know, miss that representative, man, so that you don't get burned so that the organization doesn't get burned. And, uh, you don't bring a guy in, you know, we unfortunately seen that situation with a Tennessee Titan. I mean, he was a first round pick last year and, and doc, he has fizzled out. 
He's with a second, has been cut by a second organization here recently, and he's pretty much fizzled out. So getting through that process, Doc, he fooled a lot of people, man. And, and, and he put a lot of people's jobs on the line for making that selection. No doubt about it. And when you're talking about a representative, man, uh, and I like that metaphor going on a date. If it's just me and you, we good. But if you bring your best friend or something, man, you know, like, hold on, that's who you really are. And what's different now than when we were coming out, man, all these all these prospects, they have a representative, man. It's called social media, man. So anywhere they go, they Twitter and they social media. They're like, hold on. I hear what you're saying, but I got I got this social media. I got your IG and your Twitter pulled up, man. You somebody totally different. So that's another thing that these players have to think about, man. Things that they've done on social media. They live there forever, especially if someone has captured them. So I know the Rams are doing that due diligence, man hoping to bring the right kind of person, not only the right kind of athlete, but hoping to bring the right kind of person to L.A. because L.A. is the place to be. Playing for the Rams is the place to be because we want to get somebody that can help us not only win the Super Bowl, but first we got to get to the playoffs, man, because we are a team that likes to get in the postseason. We are a team and an organization that have had a lot of postseason success and a lot of postseason memories. Now, Isaac, I was talking to you, man. I sit back and think. I'm thinking like, man, what are some of my favorite Rams postseason memories and postseason players? And I, and I have to say, of course, you know, even if I did know you, you know, if you wasn't like my brother, man, well, if you wasn't my brother, I mean, still what you did, bro, that 73-yarder, man, with two minutes to play. Look, man, I still don't think that's talked about enough, what you did in the Super Bowl, man, when you struck the Tennessee Titans like you. That's one of my favorite all-time LA, I mean, Rams playoff moments, and you one of my all-time favorite Rams players, period. But that's me talking to you. You looking at a broader picture and taking yourself out of that, so say you, man. Well, you know what? We talk about uh, Rams postseason history, man. There, there are so many great moments. And I was fortunate to play uh, in a postseason with a great organization that, that ultimately ended up being the last team standing, which has uh, made us uh, Super Bowl 34 champions. But, you know, before me, man, even before some of, uh, some of the other greats that I have in mind right now, man, there were, there were tons of great moments uh, from a postseason standpoint, man. One of the first one that often jumps to my thinking is uh, Flipper Anderson. Flipper Anderson running by Mark Collins and and uh, 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 versus the New York Giants in Giant Stadium, man, uh, in overtime, I believe. And you know it was a it was a, a great pass by the great Jim Everett stepping back, uh, Keen holding that free safety in the middle of the field, and Flipper Anderson just doing work on the cornerback. And uh, you know when I first got to the Rams, I was. I was a teammate of Flipper Anderson, and that's the only thing I wanted to talk to to him about. Uh, well, that wasn't the only thing, but that was the first thing. And, you know, just, just reliving that moment, just how he felt. And uh, he talked about how <laughs> Mark Collins uh, spoke to the media after the game and said he had hurt his ankle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, he didn't pull that, did he, dog? Come yeah, on, he pulled man. that one out. And, and, and uh and uh, Flipper's response was, yeah, yeah, I know his ankle was hurt. I had, I had hurt that ankle way back in the third quarter. <laughs> but, but he was just one of those type yeah. guys, man. You know, he, you know he, he taught me how to be a professional, uh, how to play the game at a high level, and really just respect everyone but not afraid of anybody. I mean, I saw Flipper Anderson running by Deion Sanders, uh, many other greats, man, Aeneas Williams. And, um, you know, he just had those moments. Some of those but – that, but, but it was a year when – the Los Angeles Rams had to make three East Coast trips 
to make it to qualify for the playoffs. And I believe it was either 89 or 1990. So the NFC West was, was dominant again. The San Francisco 49ers at that time were doing their thing. I think we flew to New England, uh, beat the Patriots first. We go back, had to fly back, and I, I believe we had to win against uh, Philadelphia. We ended up beating Philadelphia. And from Philadelphia, we go back the following week to New York and beat New York uh, uh, in that playoff, playoff game and ended up, which propelled us into the NFC Championship game versus the San Francisco 49ers. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I was always uh, just, just blown away at the stories and the storytellers. Uh, Henry Ellett was telling me about that season, uh, just about, you know, how that whole postseason transpired and them going and playing an NFC Championship game versus the 49ers. And were and was up seven to nothing in that game before they ran a flea flicker. They run a flea flicker, hand the ball off to the running back. Running back kicks it back to Jim Everett, and Flipper Anderson is running wide open down the field. And Henry Ellett tells me that it was something like he'd never seen happen before. How Ronnie Lott comes out of nowhere and knocks this ball out of the air, just diving to knock this ball out. If he, does, if he doesn't touch the ball, it's, it's 14 to nothing. And you're talking Joe Montana. You're talking Jerry Rice. You're talking John Taylor. All of these greats. Roger Craig. The 49ers had that. that absolutely. Roger yeah. Craig. That's it's pretty much in the midst of their dynasty, how, how it was started, getting kickstarted. But just imagine if Ronnie Lott trips, falls, and doesn't hit that ball. It's 14 to nothing in that NFC Championship game, man. And possibly a, a Super Bowl win by some guys who played some great football in that era. Henry Ellett being one of them, uh, uh, Flipper Anderson being another, Jim Everett, Jim Everett being another. Just some great moments, man, that could have happened, man. Game is a game of inches, and the inches just went the 49ers' way that game, man. Man, if if was a fifth, we'd all be drunk, man. But unfortunately, <laughs> it's not, bro. So it just didn't go down that way, man. It wasn't meant to be. But anyway, man, yeah, that, you know, and I was a yeah. huge you – know, growing up, I didn't really – you know, I, I wasn't really no L.A. Rams fans, but I was – an Eric Dickinson fan, man. That dude. Oh, absolutely. Man, I, that dude right there, man. Just still to see 2-9 in them curls, man. Toting that rock, standing up standing up tall, man. Just running that rock. But we talking about them playoff memories, man. As I said, yours is still, you know, yours is my favorite. And, I, you know, and also one of the other ones, it has to be Mike Jones. We can't talk about that enough. Mike Jones making that such a great, great tackle and great, great play on Kevin Dyson to keep the Titans out of the soup. I mean, keep them out of the end zone. Uh, and possibly tying that ball game. So, you know, shout out to Mike Jones. And But but real quickly before we – talking about that, because that Tennessee Titans team that you all beat, man, a, a real salute to Eddie George right quick, man. They said he's going to be hired as Tennessee State head football coach, man. Big, big, big – even though I, I was never really an Eddie George fan because his biggest dude was, man, he just didn't run as hard to me as he could. But salute to Eddie George getting that opportunity, Ice. Yeah, big-time moment, man, not only for, you know, Eddie George, but just Tennessee State. I mean, we see the resurgence of these uh, HBCUs, uh, and they're doing it from a standpoint of, number one, hiring us as coaches, man. Yes. I mean, just bringing us back into the mix. And, uh, you know, we're, we're people that are full of knowledge, Doc, as well, and also full of football knowledge, man. Uh, we see what uh, Deion Sanders is doing in, uh, at Jackson State right now, and it's a revival that's happening. Uh, throughout the entire HBCUs, man. So I, I'm thinking, I'm starting to anticipate some of these four and five stars uh, who would normally go to, you know, great schools like Memphis, 
uh, Alabama, Auburn, you know, starting to go back to these HBCUs, man. I mean, I think it's being set up right now, and the transformation is happening before our eyes. Tennessee State is another another significant school that has made the move. And uh, from what I hear, there are reports that Norfolk State in Virginia is looking at Michael Vick being their head coach. So just imagine that star power, Doc, and some of these, some of these teams clashing with each other and going against each other. And so the halftime show won't only be the only show in town. It'll actually be the football that's being being played at these schools down there. I just love it, man. Talk about restoration and deliverance, man. And speaking of HBCU, see, I worked for an HBCU. Never expected to come down here. I worked for Russ College here in Holly Springs, Mississippi, about 45, a 45-minute drive from my house in Memphis, man. And I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. I'm the director of broadcast operations and content development for Russ College Television Station. It's a blessing, man. You know, I wasn't even looking for this job, but the most high brought me this job. So, yeah, there is a revival taking place in HBCUs because, remember, at some point, you know, we couldn't play for those PWIs, man. So, you know, a lot of those athletes were at HBCUs because those were the ones who gave them the opportunity, and they were just straight up balling, straight up putting out all kinds of, Athletes until you know those other institutions was like, hold on, man, it's a lot of talent down there, man. We need to start trying to Hall of Famers, man. Hall of Famers, man. We need to try to yeah. get them up there with us. So, but if if a lot of these athletes, and I say that, man, if a lot of these athletes do start going to HBCUs before you know it, HBCUs are the ones you'll be seeing on CBS with the big television contracts because they got a lot of talent that's going down there, man. And you have like a flip-flop. So salute to Tennessee State, man. Eddie George getting an opportunity. As you said, Deion Sanders down at Jackson State. Now, but love for Michael Vick to get that opportunity as well, man. And just just love to see all of that. Just love to see all of uh all those opportunities coming and everybody getting a chance to do great things and to be great and Going back to greatness in the L.A. Rams, not just playoff memories and not just players, but favorite players, period. I was talking about you, man. Of course, you know, you up there, but, bro, talking about 2-9 again, man. I, I just – I look at Eric Dixon, man, and I love the way that he stilled himself. He's in L.A. He's around the Rams, but he's still going to give them an opinion about how, how he feels about things. But just going back – favorite all-time Rams players. It has to be Isaac and it has to be Eric, Eric Dickinson, man. And I mean, you've talked with ED. I've never met ED, man. I hope to meet him uh, in Canton, man, when you, I hope he's there and when you, you know, you're getting uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. But just your all-time Rams uh, 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 favorite Rams players. Do you have one? I'm pretty sure you do, man. Absolutely, man. I mean, number one, Eric Dickinson, man. You know, people often talk about how high he ran. But you know, POA when it time when it came time to, yes. to for contact, he would lower that shoulder, man. Yes, uh, a part of that great Pony Express down at SMU. So man, he's a great guy, awesome running back, and he's from the old school, man. He believes in speaking his mind, and and uh, most times he's not wrong at all. So favorite players, definitely, man. Henriella has to be one of my favorites. Uh, Flipper Anderson, I mentioned him earlier. He was one of my favorites. Uh, guys like Cleveland Gary, we take it way back, man. When they first got there. Uh, when yeah, I first got there, these guys were funny, man. I mean, Jerome Bettis, he was funny. Uh, guys like Jackie Slater. I mean, he always addressed you, Brother Bruce. How's it going today, Brother Bruce? <laughs> Everything's well, Big Jackie. I mean, you got you to realize Jackie was drafted in 1976. I was born in 1972. So yeah. he was four years in the league, and then I ended up playing two seasons with Jackie, man. One of the fiercest competitors. Stop. I mean, don't let the, 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 the uh, articulate speech fool you. He will break you off real proper. I mean, and uh, 
I've seen him do it on, on many occasions, man, up close and personal. But, you know, guys like Sean Gilbert haven't played with these guys. These guys were dominant football players, funny, and good people at the same time, man. They did, these guys did a lot off the field to make other people's lives better, man. And uh, I'm grateful to have played with these guys and have a relationship with them as well, man. But, you know, my favorite guys, mostly my favorite, favorite Rams players of all time are the ones that I came in with in 1994, the, the Wayne Gandys. The, the Keith Lyles and the, and the uh, Chris Brantley's, the Jermaine Rosses, the DeMarco Fars. Those are my guys, man, forever in the day. Hey, Troy Draper didn't come in with you? TD didn't come in with you? No, nah, no. Nah. Oh, TD, TD was coming with me, man. He was already there, man. You know what I'm saying? Already taking up space. You know, <laughs> didn't want to block. He just wanted to run routes and, and catch alley oops. You know what I mean? That was Troy Drake all day long. Man. Oh, man, for real, man. <laughs> Troy Drake, man. Hey, that's, 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 you show right, big. Oh, 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 Troy. But hey, speaking of funny oh, Rams, though, man, man you, you said, you know, and, and Jack and Slater, you know, you're right about Jackie, man. I mean, because I, when, I, when in, in camp, he used to give me so much advice, man, and talk to me all the time and keep me, you know, keep me encouraged and just, you know, just was always just that positive ear in my head. But, you and I have talked about this before, and you already know who I'm finna say. I mean, just funny dudes, man. That that got dang Lavelle Pinkney, man, and 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 your boy AC Tellison, man. And, oh, and Troy Drake, yeah, man, Troy, block somebody, man. But anyway, yeah, man. Oh, Lavelle, man, Lavelle, Lavelle, and AC. Yeah, you just gotta, you just gotta remember, and uh, just just to uh, bring our uh, here our listeners up to date, man, who these people are. AC Tellison was a a rookie free agent out of the University of Miami, spent some time with the Rams uh, back in St. Louis. And then Lavelle Pickney, a fifth-round draft pick, one of those hybrid guys that one of our scouts at that time uh, had found out of the University of Texas, man. I mean, a big guy weighing way, weight well over 230 <laughs> pounds, maybe Make 240, yeah. but running a 4-5 straight-line yeah. speed. You know, he might have been one of those guys we were trying to move down to uh, play tight end or just put him in the slot where he'd have a, a, a significant advantage versus a smaller defensive back or, or linebackers who really couldn't run with him. So um, he was one of those talents, man, that came to us uh, way back when. But just a just a comedian, uh, a, a stand-up comedian, a guy who could hold an attention of a crowd or audience, man, very well, but very funny, man. LaBelle Pickney, man, uh, doing great things, I believe, right now in, uh, in, uh, in the D.C. area, man. Uh, awesome dude. Lavelle Pinkney, what's up, man? But the Rams, <laughs> what's up with y'all as well, man? I just, you know, and, and it is, it's a pleasure and it's an honor being part of this organization, man, and the Rams giving me an opportunity, man, to, you know, because you play in the league, man, that sticks with you a long time and people put you on a certain pedestal and give you opportunities that, you know, pay attention to you that you may not have gotten. So all praises to the most high on that, man. And all those great memories and all those great players. But I still want to give one more shout out to Eric Dixon before we get out of here because I, I used to hate that Eric Dixon didn't have enough help around him and didn't get a chance to have more success in the playoffs, man, because he was on some teams. My man just was flat foot doing, doing it all and required to do it all, man. And I don't, you know, I, I always think he was underpaid, man. I think he was underappreciated. And I think he kind of let the Rams know that he was kind of underpaid and underappreciated back then. But just, but I, I was looking at, because you know me, I'm a running back and I was, I'm always looking at the, the running back list and, these ain't Rams, but it surprised me because I was talking about, you know, my top five, you know, NFL running backs all the time. I put Barry Sanders up there and, of course, Walter Payton up there, man, and Agent Peterson is up there and uh, 
Eric Dickerson is, is up there. And, and of course, Marshall Falk, man. Marshall was just Mr. Do-It-All. But And Franco was down there because I grew up such a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan. But what threw me off, and I don't know why, man, is that Frank <laughs> Frank Gore, man. I mean, I don't people don't think about all-time great running backs. They don't think of Frank Gore's name right off the bat, and I understand why. But Isaac, dude, got 16,000 yards, man. And he's third number three all time, man. Hey, bro, I got I just had to shout out Frank Gore, man, because that is extremely impressive, bro. Well, well what happens is you, you find yourself running too far away from that player's mindset. I mean, you, you know, you sometimes we get so fixated on being, you know, a sports or football analyst. Yeah. Uh, you know, we forget that we are we are football purists. And uh being a football purist, man, you you have to when you talk about the 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 position of running back, Frank Gore is right in the midst, man. I mean, he's been doing it for a very long time. Had the uh, great fortune of playing with him two seasons in San Francisco, and he's a hard worker, man. Considering where he came from, uh, uh, a guy who's had two ACL tear, tears in both knees, and just to compile that great of uh, product production uh, throughout his career, man, he's a, he's a great back, man. I mean, he can block it. Uh, can block it up, sew it up. He can run in between the tackles. Uh, he was a guy that could run away from you and just a competitor. I mean, he, he's been uh, a, a lot of different places here the last couple of years, and uh, it's just amazing, man. He's still going. We talk about Tom Brady a lot, his longevity, his ability to play. But what Frank Gore is doing is, is probably more impressive, I mean, because he's a guy that's running in between the tackles, contact every play. Every time he's on the field, you know, he's either blocking or running the football. So, um, hats off to Frank Frank Gore. Uh, salute him and everything he's doing. He may be trying to play another season this year, man. So uh, if, if it comes down to it, he's definitely in shape. He can he can do it, and uh, he can go out on that field and, and uh, produce some more uh, productivity. And salute to the Rams as well, because looking at this list, man, you look at the top 20 all-time uh, NFL rushing oh, yeah. leaders, man. The Rams are represented, bro. We got we got JB, Jerome Bettis at number eight. Then we got ED, Eric Dickerson at number nine. Then you got Marshall down there at 12. Then you got Big Jack at 18. Hey, just looking at this, just glancing at it, man, I think yeah. we – I, we we probably got more players in that top 20 than any other squad, just briefly looking at it without looking at all these names and see how many uh, teams they play with. But, hey, man, hey, you don't think about Rams and, you know, uh, 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 having, you know, a group of some of the best running backs to ever play, but they right there, man, stashed on live, bro. Great, great running back play by the uh, Los Angeles Rams, man. And And here's the thing. A lot of those guys that you mentioned, they were playing in an era where the running game was very significant. Uh, it's not like it is now where the passing game is taking precedence over the running game. But you were playing mostly with got eight, nine guys in the box trying to stop that production. And these guys are still very high on that list, man, and did some true damage. So just just the running backs, I mean, the, the two that you mentioned, the three that you mentioned that I played with, Steven Jackson was a beast within himself, man. He could do a lot, catch the ball out of the backfield. And uh, Marshall, I mean – I mean, pick your poison. I mean, how, how do you want it? I mean, you want him to run the football or catching the football out of the backfield? He could just do just do it all back. Jerome Bettis, man, he was Mr. Give it to me 35 times and, and move out of the way and watch what happens. So um, I was fortunate to play with all, of the, all three of those guys and, and to know Eric Dickerson, man. I mean, just labeled as one of the best running backs ever to play in the National Football League uh, from a college standpoint and a professional standpoint, man. 
The Rams have had some great, some awesome running backs to play for us, man. They've also had some some players with some great, awesome names, man. Vince Ferragamo. Hey, I wasn't really a Vince Ferragamo fan, but I just used to watch him, like watching him play and like looking at his name and like hearing his name play. And also, man, I, I left out I left out one of my favorite Rams, and I can't even believe I did this, man. Uh, my running backs coach, man, my freshman year at Memphis State, man, Cullen Bryant, man, rest in Cullen peace. Bryant. Yeah, man, man, you know, play with the Rams in the Super Bowl in the 70s, man. Uh, just cool, cool Cullen Bryant, man. Well, I, and, and Coach Bryant was Coach Bryant was so cool at Memphis State, man. I, I I used to love him because during the individual session, man, he just we just go over there and take a knee and be chilling. You know, Chuck Stobart be looking, like, what are they doing over there? But Coach, Coach Bryant, man, very knowledgeable, man, very tough, a very kind of – you know, he didn't really say much, get loud too much, but Cullen Bryant, one of my all-time favorite Rams as well. You met Coach Bryant, then? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there. Uh, he was on the staff. Great, great back, man. You know, combination of, of him when he played for the Rams with Lawrence McCutcheon, man. Another guy, man, who ran the football very, very effectively, man. Just so uh, back in the day when Ground Chuck was the head coach, man, the very same head coach, Chuck Knox who ended up drafting me in 1994 in his second stint with the, uh, with the Los Angeles Rams at that time. So it was always about, you know, running and featuring a running back for the Los Angeles Rams for a very long time. We had, we had a couple of receivers in there that, that made a little noise, but, you know, as a whole, just running that football, man, is, is what the Rams do. And one more person, man, I want to I want to see you give a shout out because we talked about a man and he needs to be talked about and need to be considered for that Hall of Fame. Seriously, man. We talked about your guy who you play with, man, London Fletcher, man. Just, hey, real quickly, how good this dude is. And when you look at his numbers, man, you can put his numbers up there with anybody. And I think that dude played for a long time without missing the game, man. So just London, he doesn't get talked about as enough uh, uh, either, Isaac. Law, London Fletcher, man. London Fletcher came in as an undrafted uh, free agent from, uh, you know, Marist College. Uh, the only other person I know, excuse me, John Carroll. Don't let me get that. Yeah, John Carroll. John yeah. Carroll. Yeah. John Carroll uh, was the great Don Shula. He's also an alumni from John Carroll. So, uh, you know, it's funny. London was a, a basketball scholarship athlete before he ended, started playing football. And, uh, you know, when I first met him, I, you know, I, I labeled him the, the his play got a nickname from me the way he was playing. And it, it, it was Thumper. And it had nothing to do with his size, but what mm-hmm. he did when he met a running back in the hole. So uh, he was punishing guys on special teams and just kept try, climbing the chart. Doc. I mean, his, his, his saying after every play, good or bad, was I ain't going back to Cleveland. I, <laughs> he, he wasn't leaving, oh, yes, man. So ain't going back home. Every, every time we see his name, you know, we say, hey, I ain't going back to Cleveland. But just a dominant football player for a lot of years, man. And you talk about impactful player on the Rams uh, for uh, the Washington football team, for the Buffalo Bills. He was there for a very long time and impacted a lot of uh, organizations. I wouldn't be surprised if two out of those three ended up retiring his jersey, man. So – uh, yeah, I, I, he's a guy who I think is a future Hall of Famer. Uh, you can you can put his stats right next to some of the other greats that have already been inducted, and uh, he's right there, if not better. So London Fletcher, a great great Ram in his day, and uh, I, I still remember his exit out of the building and, and, and what brought that along. But we missed him when he left. I tell you that much, Doc. No doubt. Salute to you, London Fletcher. And Troy Drayton, block somebody, man, like Isaac said. Man, nobody's going to be throwing to the tight end all the time. But anyway, dog, anything else you want to add? And hold on, real quick, Big G, one time, one time. He knows what that means. Anything else you want to add, bro, before you get up out of here, man, before we get up out of here? 
No, that's about it, Doc. I think, you know, the, you know, from, from a Ram standpoint, man, uh, you know, the draft is huge for us this year. Uh, we got to be able to pick some guys and plug guys in and, and get some protection out of these guys. So that's where the focus for uh, for Sneed and uh, Coach McVay is right now, man. So just making sure that we we plug and, and fill some holes, man, because we have some guys, you know, on that back end of the defense that are going to have to come in and play immediately, man. And that's going to do it for this edition of Ramblings with Pro Football Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce and Doc Holliday. Until next week, God willing, we out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.